It's Wednesday. You know what that means. Welcome in the Highly Disputed. My name is Dylan Bishop. With me, as always, is Ryan Stickle. How's it going, Ryan? Well, it was a great weekend to be a Shepherd Ram, and uh, I think it's it's pretty obvious why. I think everybody who's aware of Shepherd knows what's going on, and uh, of course, I'm talking about the new scoreboard being turned on. So uh, that was a, a fun weekend, good homecoming weekend. Biggest win of the season, might I say? I mean, a pretty decent right team blew them out. They they weren't blowing people out like we're used to. So uh, successful, successful uh, weekend there for the Shepherd Rams. And there's also uh, this guy who played for them. Uh, he started an NFL game, but we can get to that later. Right. We had it was such a big football weekend for Shepherd University that we had to bring on an extra expert, the uh, man <laughs> that uh knows a thing or two about football to come on here and talk about uh, Shepard. So we're here with uh, Steven Ruiz of The Ringer. Uh, Steven, I assume you've gotten to see the All-22 tape of Shepard versus Westchester for this weekend. (laughs) I watched it live. (laughs) I watched the game live. I didn't need to watch the tape. Yeah, yeah. so Malachi (laughs) Brown's 150 rushing yards. Yeah, what are your thoughts? Yeah. It was insane. I have Malachi on my uh, D2 fantasy football team, so it was a big (laughs) week for me. I, I I wish I knew some other names of the players. I wish I could like look it up real quick so I can make some other jokes. But no, yeah, I, I did watch the game. I did watch the Bears game on all twenty two. I did have access to that. I don't have my a, a, a plug for Shepherd film though. Right. So yeah, there was this guy named Tyson Bagent who um, started an NFL game this week, thirty to twelve victory by the Chicago Bears over the the Las Vegas Raiders. And we had to get on Tyson Bajan's biggest fan, Steven Ruiz, to talk about him. And uh, they'll put it out there in front. I did, if, if you, for some reason, uh, are listening to this and didn't see the, uh, the tweets, uh, I, did, I did get everyone mad at, at Steven on purpose. <laughs> uh, I just figured it'd be fun. I was bored at work last Wednesday. Uh, I thought it would be fun just to take all of the negative parts about what he said about Tyson and just tweet that out. And boy, did it work. So <laughs> It sure did. It there were sure so did. many tweets. So, I, uh, I was yeah. surprised. And I was, to be honest, I was a little impressed at how deep the Shepherd Twitter army went. I was very impressed. I didn't, like, usually when, like, a fan base comes after me, I, I fight back, I hit back. Like with the 49ers and Brock Purdy, for instance. But with with... <laughs> Shepard and Bajan, I didn't want to. Like, I want this is a fight I want to lose. I want to be wrong. I had Bajan as the 30, or I guess I have like 35 guys on the list now. He has, he's the worst starter on, on my ranking. 36. Like 36. Sorry. Thank you for the exact yeah, we remember. Number. Which in my mind was like, <laughs> hey, that's pretty cool for a guy out of Shepard to be the 36th best quarterback in the world. Like, I think he could play a little bit. I'm excited oh, absolutely. to see what he can do. But then, yeah, Dylan set me up for what was. It was only like a day or two of, of vitriol from the Shepherd Twitter, but I feel like I found a common ground with them, and then and we're good now, we're cool now. But it, <laughs> I'll leave that to you guys to say. Right. So it's just kind of a thing where we've been watching uh, Tyson play quarterback for so long at this point. You know, five, four year starter. I mean, technically, if he was there for five years during the COVID year, uh, started since he was a freshman. And if you're aware of 
if you're from the area as a Shepherd alum, then you were probably also aware of him in high school as at Martinsburg High School, uh, just, you know, 10 miles down the road where he won, you know, however many state championships over there with Coach Dave Walker. And it, it was just, I think everyone, everyone in the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia is like, why would anyone ever say anything bad about Tyson Beijing? He's the best quarterback ever. <laughs> but then everyone, you know, from your point of view, you you drop in on him now, and you're like, hey, this guy's, this guy might be a little something. Hey, he's got he's got some good stuff going on, you know. And but then it's like, there's the obvious downsides here and there. But to to be to, fair, you know, NFL to be fair to the uh, the Martinsburg folks. It's been almost 10 years now of him playing quarterback and his winning percentage as a starting quarterback has to be like 90 plus percent. And he's never (laughs) really, he's never been bad (laughs) ever. And so it's like, I I will say, I understand for the ones who who are are truly offended, but uh, you gotta, (laughs) you gotta be able to dig into this tape a little bit. I will say, you do not under any circumstances gotta hand it to Martinsburg Bulldogs football fans. <laughs> you don't need to do that. Uh, or any football fans for that matter. That's like, true. But like, you know, as someone that has to deal with them at work, you know, in the in the comments in the comments of uh, our, our streams, uh, you do not got to hand it to them. Uh, <laughs> it is don't ever be fair to them. It's Martinsburg no. or die with those people. Like you can't even allude to somebody else being good or any no, of their no. guys if, being if I, not I, the best. Oh, man, I was getting pummeled apparently in the uh, in the YouTube comments uh, during our stream of last week's game, a game in which Martinsburg won twenty three to six, and I was like, "Wow, it's really impressive for Spring Mills High School to only lose to Martinsburg by seventeen. Look what they're doing. They're they're." Their running back had 90 yards in the first half. And everyone's like, wow. I, I remember when this station had uh, commentators that actually liked Martinsburg. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You and it's, 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 it's funny. Team. It's not even like crazy uh, football parents either. Like, these are just people who live in Martinsburg and they live and breathe it. So it's. Yes. It's like the, yeah, the high school graduated football. from Martinsburg like 30 years ago. But anyways, yeah, it's it's like Alabama fans, you know. It's just like they, they're going to do their thing. They're kind of their own subset of the whole group. <laughs> but now he's 1-0 in the NFL. Did he have like a good stat line? So now I feel like their perception of him is even more warped. Like he, not only is he the, the best quarterback in West Virginia history, now he's, he's the best quarterback in the NFL. He's the only one with a, a perfect win percentage. That's right. Exactly. It, the two there are two quarterbacks in the NFL. It is Tyson Bajan and Lamar Jackson, as far as I'm concerned. But <laughs> we'll get to that later. But yeah, uh, Stephen, you've uh, you've you've done the the breakdown, the Bears Raiders, the the most important game of the week. That's why we're starting with it, of course, obviously. So I mean, what'd you think? You didn't move up in the rankings, but I know I can t- I can I've been able to tell by your rankings they don't they don't fluctuate from week to week no one's moving down or up you know 10 spots after right. one game so what was your, what was your analysis of he, the other Raiders game his ranking didn't go up but the the rankings are determined by the grades they get they they all have like an overall grade and his overall grade did go up I gave him like a couple of points for accuracy and timing 
in decision making because I do think against the Raiders, while while he wasn't asked to do too much as evidenced by like his passing heat map, and I don't think he completed a pass over 10 yards, he did run the offense as it's supposed to be run. And like for Justin Fields, that's been a challenge. And he's a first round pick with top 10 pedigree. And Bajit was able to do it. He was able to come in and do it right away. And before the game, I compared him to Brock Purdy on Twitter, which like I had the Martinsburg people on my on my case at the same time as the 49ers people on my case because they were upset <laughs> what I had said about him. But I think like we kind of saw it on Sunday and we saw it throughout preseason when he, whenever he played for Chicago is that like he can do the game manager stuff. He can be the point guard type, but there is a little bit of extra that he provides because he is he's a gamer. He's he's not going to just like run the offense if there's a a play to be made, he's going to try to make it. The question with him and the concerns I have is that I don't know if he has the physical talent to do it at the NFL level week in and week out, but like the rest of the stuff, the bare minimum stuff, like being able to run an offense, being able to complete a pass when it's open, being able to find an open receiver. I think he proved he can do that not only on Sunday against the Raiders, but in August when he earned this spot on the roster. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about like his effect on the offense this week because as we all know the the Bears offense has uh if you want to put it in a friendly way they've been inconsistent because they have had a couple games they you know the first half against the Broncos which we all know the Broncos defense is and then uh, that Thursday night game against the Commanders was it just a matter of for starters them having success on first down and really every down running the ball and Tyson just getting the ball out on time which Fields tends to not do is that what made their them run like they did because all year it's been pretty terrible and they looked start to finish in that game just consistent yeah I think that's part of it I think like we tend to discount the effect a quarterback and a quarterback style has on the play calling like I don't think you can run that same game plan with Justin Fields even though I think Justin Fields is a better player at this point I think Justin Fields is I don't think it's a reach to say he's a more talented player. I don't know how that will go <laughs> over in Martinsburg, but I think I feel like most people would think that. At the same time, he kind of limits what you can call on offense just because in order to get the most out of him, you need to run a certain type of offense. You need to run some zone read. You need to run some quarterback designs. And we've seen when the Bears haven't done that, the offense has struggled. And when they have done it, the offense has been viable. With, with Bajan back there, you could just run a more prototypical offense. And I think that's just the offensive coordinator is just more comfortable doing that because that's what he's used to doing. He didn't grow up or he didn't become a coach, an offensive coordinator calling plays for a quarterback like Justin Fields. He probably called plays for a quarterback more like Bajan. So while I think like it's a downgrade in talent compared to Justin Fields, I think it in a roundabout ways allows the bears to do more on offense with play calling. We saw the benefits of that against the Raiders. So if you're going to put blame on someone, you're going to blame coaching before Justin Fields just because of <laughs> them not being able to adapt to him that's, as much that's, as him adapting to that's them. That's kind of been my thing is I, I haven't yeah. liked what Luke Getzey has really been doing over there for Justin Fields. Obviously, Fields has been, you know, he's had his own trouble outside of that, outside of just the plays being called for him and the scheme that he's in. But I don't think it's done him any favors at all. Right. Uh, I think it's a complicated thing like I'm, I'm not high on Justin Fields and I'm not high on Luke Getze I think the issue with like running the offense how they've had to run it when Justin Fields has played well with like the quarterback runs and and all that 
is that there's an expiration date on that type of offense. Like you need to see, you want to see evolution from the quarterback. It's year three for Justin Fields. This is when we see guys make the leap. And if you're still having to play that, that style of offense, it's kind of a red flag by itself. So yes, like the coaching staff should just lean into the things that Justin Fields does better more often, but you can, you can see why they've been hesitant to do that. They want to see Justin Fields develop like a quarterback who can lead the franchise for the next decade. And if you're playing him in this paint by numbers offense, I don't know if that's going to happen. So looking ahead a little bit, just, just for a second, do we think it's possible that Tyson Bajant gets Brandon Staley fired? <laughs> I think so. If and he I, loses to if 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 that if the Chargers lose, and this is not a knock on Tyson at all, if they lose to Tyson Bajant on Sunday night football in front of all they of are tearing, America. They are yes. tearing it down. <laughs> and the crazy thing is like I don't think it's that shocking of a of a result. Like I don't think losing to Justin Fields in the Bears is like any less shameful than losing to this current version of the bears. Cause I do yeah. think the offense is just a little bit more sound. I don't know if that makes sense, but I, I get the public perception and, and that's what you're alluding to. That would be the yeah. problem losing to the bears on Sunday night football to this quarterback that nobody outside of West Virginia has ever heard about. It's hard to survive that. <laughs> just some fun hypotheticals. Home, so it's like one of those, yeah, I I think it could at least it could be the uh, beginning of the end because the Chargers, oh buddy, <laughs> what, what's going on over there? I uh, I don't think the roster is as good as people think. I think Tom Telesco, the GM, has kind of gotten a free ride just because I would say five years ago they had a pretty good roster and we remember all the guys on the roster right now. They Khalil Mack, Mack is the name. Yeah. Uh, Joey Bosa is a guy we all know. Derwin James, we all know. Keaton Allen, all, like all these guys. J.C. Jackson. <laughs> J.C. Jackson. Uh, <laughs> but the thing is, they're not the star players they once were. And the other part is they're never on the field. Like this year, they've been relatively healthy, excluding Mike Williams, who's out for the year. But in past years, like, sure, having Joey Bosa is a good thing, but he doesn't play ever, so it doesn't really matter. Having... Keenan Allen is a good thing, but he never plays because he's always hurt. So that doesn't really matter. So like while Staley could certainly do a better job as a head coach and their offensive coordinator could do a better job, I, I put it on the front office. I don't, I just don't think the roster is as good as people believe. And when you're in a division with Patrick Mahomes, that tends to show up more than say if you were in a division with Jordan Love. <laughs> Oh man, and we could <laughs> we could definitely get into that because a couple of these divisions, my mind's just blown by them. For starters, like the NFC South, all those teams are kind of just hanging around with decent records, and I'm not holding of them. Something where like I don't know if it's because of their recent success might be the team in that division where I'm like, you know what, they might this thing with nine wins yeah i feel like we've seen him do it and we haven't seen the falcons do it we haven't seen Derek carr ever do it in his career and like the panthers are just uh, they're just their own mess uh so <laughs> I, I i get that it's just the baker mayfield of it all like i just can't look past baker mayfield and think that's a team that's going to make the playoffs even though some team from this division has to make it which 
it makes me feel crazy, but I'm it makes me buy into Desmond Ritter, who has given me no reason to think he's good. But I like <laughs> I don't think it's out of the question that he's maybe the second best quarterback in the league or in the division behind Derek Carr. I think there's at oh, least an man. argument with, between him and Baker. Well, I was seeing from uh, Derek Klassen, friend of the friend of the show uh, today, that over the last three weeks, I think it is that Desmond Ritter is fourth in the NFL in success rate and EPA. Yeah. Like, <laughs> It's misleading. Don't don't buy. I, like I'm I'm good friends with Derek, so I, I'm making fun of him out of love for him. Of but course. he loves Desmond Ritter too much. <laughs> him and Solak and Nate Tice, all like all my friends, like they they like Desmond Ritter too much. It's it's time for them to admit that he's not that good. He's fine. He might be. What a do they What do they see in him though? I don't I don't get that. He was never a guy, even in college. Like I was never blown away by him, even at his best. Like I know. What's their thing? What's their deal? <laughs> it's like it's the processing stuff. Like you can see him. He is a guy that will like go through his progressions. He'll like read the defense from the pocket, and you can see him go from one to two to three. And he he makes he like tries a lot of difficult throws. Like he isn't one of these. He's in like a Kirk Cousins, and like Kirk Cousins has improved later on in his career. But like early Kirk Cousins, he was checking the ball down too often and throwing a bunch of picks. Like this guy, like he actually tries. Like he tries to make plays, and I think that's the difference between him. And your more prototypical system quarterbacks. The thing is, like, he's not accurate and he makes boneheaded decisions like every 10 plays. He's Daniel Jones, and they just are failing to realize it. But one day they'll see. <laughs> uh, speaking of a guy that makes, a, tries to make a lot of plays, I, I'm talking this week about <clears throat> the, the commanders and Sam Howell and, you know, when I brought it up at, at work at a you know talk radio WRNR on, on the sports mix on Monday, the, the first thing that uh, our pal Colin McLaughlin jumped to when talking about his commanders was the offensive line. The offensive line, the offensive line, it's uh, so bad. And I, you know, sacks are also a quarterback stat, I think is, is the thing here, because they are on a historic uh, pace for giving up sacks, but how much of it is on Sam Howell himself and how much is just, you know, the offensive line is bad and they're, they're failing him because I've seen the, this stats on, you know, I believe, you know, how often Sam Howell is pressured or gotten, you know, pressured in 2.5 seconds or less or more. Right. And it's, it's, it's not that bad when you look at those numbers. No. Yeah. There, there's another stat like that. It was like, how is taken 20 sets? 20 sacks that have happened after 3.5 seconds. And like, yeah, there's a two quarterbacks that have taken total 20 sacks total. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> like all the numbers are telling us what like analytics have told us for years and that this is totally on the quarterback. And when you watch the film, like it is. And beyond the sack stuff, he's, he's just not like a very talented quarterback. Like he, he throws the ball hard. And I think that fools people into thinking that he has a strong arm. But when you have to throw the ball hard every time in order to get the ball where you want it to go, like that's not arm talent to me. The guys that are more impressive are the guys like Lamar, who doesn't get credit for having a strong arm, who could just flick the ball 40 yards with minimal effort. I think like that's the difference between a guy like Howell, who can kind of run a little bit and kind of throw a little bit, and a guy like Lamar, who is an actual playmaker, who is going to be good going up against the best teams. And 
Whereas Howell, like he can look good against the Cardinals, but you put him up against a, a decent defense like Buffalo, who's not, who's going to force him into mistakes and then the wheels just fall off. And that's the problem with these guys that, that I think can make plays is that the bad plays aren't like a bug that can be worked out. It's a feature of his game. Like the good thing Sam Howell does doesn't happen without the sacks. And that's why it's hard to like kind of buy into him being a long-term answer. It makes sense. Since you brought up Lamar. Um, Let's talk about him. Man, I, I the vibes are good uh, for, for the Ravens uh, is all I can really say after that the big win against the Lions. Because it wasn't just the offense, but it was the defense as well, just killing Jared Goff and the Lions. And uh, I've heard you, Stephen, talking up our, our, our good pal uh, here, Mike McDonald. Which I don't know if have we mentioned on the show, Ryan, that it's potentially at some point we're, we're we might have a, a way to get McDonald in the show. I don't know. We'll we'll get to that later. But <laughs> anyway, uh, he's been great, and he might make it tougher to to make that uh, appearance happen because he might be moving up in the world to NFL head coach sometime soon. And might be even busier than he than he has been. So because he's got the Ravens looking like one of the two best defenses in the NFL, them and the 49ers. And Lamar on the other side is looking like one of the two or three best quarterbacks in the NFL. And Stephen, from your perspective, just, I I think things are going real well. Yeah. uh, Like I, I've been too afraid to pick the Ravens as like a Super Bowl, as my Super Bowl pick over the Chiefs, just because of, like you know Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs win every year yeah, the Mahomes of it all yeah. but if I had to pick another team it's it would be Baltimore and I felt that way since the offseason like I went to their camp uh in August and I just watched the defense play and like they were playing the first team offense and Lamar was doing Lamar things but they just dominated like every play they were just all over the quarterback they were every receiver was covered it was like they were in on the play calls, like they knew the play calls, and that's carried over to the season. Like when you watch the film of Detroit and Baltimore, I, I'm not surprised Michigan has been accused of stealing signals and that Mike McDonald <laughs> used to be their defensive coordinator. Maybe he's still doing it because that's what it seemed like. I know he's not. Yeah. That was a joke. I want to make it clear that that's a joke. Parent, but he might parent. as well have been doing it because he was on everything Detroit called. And like when you talk to their coaches, they all praise Mike McDonald. Like everyone, when you talk to their players, I interviewed Kyle Hamilton and Kyle Hamilton just gushed about him. And it's like a thing in the locker room that they know they have someone special calling the plays. And he's getting better week by week too. That's the thing. Uh, I I would not be surprised if this team makes the Super Bowl with the way Lamar's playing and with that defensive coordinator. If any team has a chance of like slowing down Patrick Mahomes, I think it's the Ravens. I think they have the talent. I think they have the leadership on defense, like Roquan Smith. That trade for Roquan Smith is maybe the one of the better trades of the last two years. And then you have a quarterback who's playing at an MVP level, and the offense seems to be getting every are getting better every week. I I wouldn't be surprised if, if by December they're the best team in the NFL. Right, first couple weeks, or really week one in particular, they had that handful of injuries to a bunch of big-name guys, J.K. Dobbins and Linderbaum and Stanley and Marcus Williams. And for the most part, they've gotten all those guys back. Obviously, Dobbins you know, is out for the year. And Marcus Williams was held out with a different injury this week. But 
you know, kind of a testament to Mike McDonald has been that other guys just feel like they're playing the best football that they've ever played. I saw Ben Solak tweet out a big list of like, here's all these guys on the Ravens defense that are playing best football they ever have. And I mean, when Williams in particular, it's like, okay, he's out, but we got Geno Stone who is, you know, picked off three passes already this year. Arthur Mollette somehow is playing well. It's Brandon Stevens too. And, Jadevian Clowney's back from the the dead or whatever you want to say he was. And, of course, Patrick Queen has been great since they got Roquan, and Roquan is incredible. Matt BK leads the team in sacks. Right. And it's like this team leads the NFL in sacks when we thought coming into the year, how's this defense going to rush the passer? And, and they, they also lead the league in unblocked pressure, which I think is a testament to the coaching. That's I did not know that one. That's that's a good that's is a really good example. Yeah. And then it's on, on the other side that you know the Zay Flowers has been you know by a pretty solid margin, at least one of the two two best wide receivers out of this rookie class so far. I know Jordan Addison last couple of weeks is is challenging for that now, but him and you know Bateman and Odell missed a couple of games, but now they're back and looking okay. Nelson Aguilar is, looks like a competent wide receiver. I, I can't believe that I can't believe that and <laughs> Gus Edwards and, and Justice Hill, the offensive line has been pretty good. And Lamar. Patrick Ricard is making plays. Yeah. Patrick <laughs> Ricard. He's still finding his way finding a way to make an impact in the, <laughs> in the Todd Munkin, you know, passing attack offense. And it's like uh, for him to, find ways that could fit him in is, is nice as well. It's, it's a testament to the creativity there on Munkin's part. And I think Lamar's finally showing what a lot of us already knew, which is you give him the time. And Lamar is not only a dynamic you know, runner of the football, but he's one of the best passers in the NFL too. And part of that being that he can use his legs to make plays, extend plays. He had that one like eight or nine second drop back that ended up the touchdown to, to the Aguilar. And it, the the running boosts the passing at times and it put it all together and he looks like he could win another MVP this year if he keeps it up. Yeah, I, like he's my MVP pick right now. And I think like even my the most impressive game to me was the Cincinnati game when he kind of won that game as like playing the point guard role. It was kind of like a game you would expect to see out of a old Drew Brees or Tom Brady obviously he added in the playmaking ability to that because that's always going to be a part of his game but the Bengals did a pretty good job of keeping him in the pocket and making him a, a drop back passer that's something they've always done when they play the Ravens and Lamar has kind of struggled there's been a couple of games even during the MVP season I would say there was some signs of of them struggling against uh Cincinnati in the second game they played but there was no such issue against against them this time around. And you could argue that Cincinnati's defense is the best it's ever been over the last three years. And I, I just think that's a sign of his growth. But I, I would say that I, I do think, and you kind of alluded to this, that I, I think the growth for him as a passer is kind of overstated. Like you said, I think we've all known that he's capable of this. He's just finally in a normal offense. He's just not, not in Greg Roman's offense, which kind of turned him into this quarterback who had to scramble or the offense wouldn't work. And I think, like, Munkin is almost getting too much credit for just being a normal offensive coordinator and not calling plays like Greg Roman did. I, I really think, like, the, <laughs> yeah. the key to all this is Lamar being Lamar. And he's yeah, only I, yeah, I 
Todd Munkin is exactly who I wanted them to pick uh, to hire even before they hired him. When I saw the list of guys they were interviewing and, or even, I think even before I saw that they were interviewing him, I was kind of just putting together the pieces in my head and I was like, I want Todd Munkin. And the play calling hasn't blown me away or anything, but I think I, so uh, he's just kind of put the guys in the places that they're supposed to be now. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think like, that's the secret to Mike McDonald's success, but that's a little more impressive on defense. Like I say that because think of some of the players that they have on their defensive roster, like with Clowney, I would say to a lesser degree, Kyle Van Noy, and then Kyle Hamilton. These are three players that I think are like they're positionalist players. Like they're players that other teams that replacement level defensive coordinators might not be able to squeeze a lot of juice out, but the Ravens are getting the most out of them possible. Like Kyle Hamilton I know people don't talk about it because he doesn't really have like the stats yet. And I don't think he's had like a showcase game in prime time, but he might be like the best slot defender in the NFL already. And that's like something he only does part time. He might be the best safety in the NFL already. And I wouldn't be surprised if two years from now, he's the best defender in the NFL. Like he's that good. He's that impressive. And he stands out every time you watch them on film. And I don't think another team gets as much out of him as Mike McDonald and the Ravens have. I think if he goes to like Arizona, he ends up like Isaiah Simmons. Oh, that'd be brutal. <laughs> that, so, uh, what did, uh, so what did Mike Tomlin do to force the Ravens to drop all those passes? I don't know. He's a genius. He, he, he does something. <laughs> I don't know. They win games every week that they have no business winning. I don't understand. They made yeah, that. I don't, I don't either. And I watch them pretty, like I go back each week and it's this, Maybe I'm just like, this is self-harm, but like I watch every Steelers snap after the game each week and it, it truly doesn't make sense. Like they just, they, in the fourth quarter, they just start executing on both sides of the ball. And I, tr- I don't understand how the defenses will give up like 15 to 20 points a game while also giving up like 150 yards receiving to somebody. Um, it's, it's really strange. And then like, Kenny Pickett doesn't do anything for three quarters and then throws the for almost 150 yards in the fourth quarter. Like it, it defies logic. It's, it's definitely not sustainable, but they've also been doing this for like four or five years now. So right. I, I so can maybe be it is. No, they won. What did they win? Like nine games with duck Hodges that year. That yeah. duck Hodges <laughs> I like, think they ended up, yeah, they went between, they had been for one game, one and a half basically. And then between, like Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges ended up winning. They went eight and eight, which, you know, not bad. I think they were seven and five at one point. <laughs> it's yeah, like they almost made the playoffs. Like that's more impressive than anything they do from here on out. Winning eight games with Duck Hodges. What is Duck up to these days, by the way? He uh he went and played overseas for a little bit and then I believe he just retired from football this offseason. So good for man. him. If Kenny yeah. Pickett goes down. <laughs> Next man I'll call Matt him up. Canada. Call oh him back, man. Yeah, what do you what do you make of this whole Matt Canada hullabaloo? Is he as bad as people say? I don't think he's as bad as people say, but he's not good. Like I, people like hold him up as like the worst offensive coordinator ever, and it's like not good. He's not help making things easier for the offense or Kenny Pickett. But like, it's not that bad. It's not like the worst offensive coordinator ever. I just think it's hard with this with a quarterback who. Uh, like the perception of Kenny Pickett is different from how he actually plays. I'd say, at least coming out, like he was seen as the pro-ready prospect, the the pocket passer. Obviously, like at Pitt, he did a good job of that. 
But when you watch the film, like he's really more so a guy that likes to play out of structure. Like he likes to leave the pocket. He likes to, everything's exaggerated. He doesn't just like climb the pocket subtly. He runs up, up the pocket and like throws on the move. <laughs> and while that, that like leads to impressive highlights when he's coming back in the fourth quarter, the first three quarters of the game, we kind of see the downside of that. And it's hard to call plays around that. It's kind of similar to the Justin Fields thing we, we were talking about earlier. So I don't know. Part of it is Kenny Pickett. Part of it is Matt Canada just not being a very good coordinator. But I think the solution is neither guy is the answer, which is yeah. probably more simple than like yeah. trying to figure out which guy is the problem. And I, and I tend to agree. And I think, you know, there's a third factor, which I think is the least, but still a, a factor is the offensive line. Like if this team could just run the ball, at, you know, above right. league average, then a lot of this wouldn't end up mattering. They'd score their, you know, 18 to 20 points a game in, you know, 12 play drives. And I think people would learn to live with it. But because they can't run the ball with any consistency, then you do force Kenny Pickett to be a great quarterback, which he's not. And then, yeah, you get into trouble. And so I think it all it all feeds off each other. And I think that's the biggest issue is like Kenny Pickett regardless of what the Steelers <laughs> evaluated him as. I, he's not a quarterback who's going to come in and carry the offense. He needs to be in an offense that can run the ball and where he can hit some open throws. Um, and, you know, you don't have to put him in the 49ers offense, but, like, you need a coordinator who can make it a little easier. And, and they definitely don't make it easy on him. Uh, they, right. they're like, they're, they they got to be one of the worst screen-passing teams in the whole entire NFL because uh, – they just don't <laughs> they don't do it and when they do it's terrible. So Yeah. There's uh, no layout. I, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, there are no easy they plays. Beat it out of him to to stop doing that spin move <laughs> when he's trying to get out of the pocket because he's he's already kind of gotten concussed off of that once last year. Um but you you think he'd learn because when he stands in the pocket and like makes a strong throw, it works out for him a lot of the time. He just, you know. Like you said, he he wants to just run around. He wants to play backyard football all the time, and that's uh, again not sustainable. Yeah, like if he was just a normal quarterback and he just took the snap, made his drop, and then got the ball out on time. Like when he does that, he looks pretty good. He looks like a guy who could have like it's it pains me to say this, but he could have like a Brock Purdy type season. <laughs> the problem is he just doesn't understand his limitations. It's it's the Baker Mayfield complex. Like I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it is. And maybe it's just because he, he kind of – he didn't have that prototypical college career for a top prospect for a first-round pick, and maybe he's trying to prove himself kind of like Baker is. But I don't know. Whatever the case is, the results aren't are, – I don't know. It's, they just aren't good. <laughs> it's, that, it's that syndrome that, the, that Patrick Ewing needs to get in his ear and say, do you practice that shot? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> when do you practice that shot? Hey, at, at the very least, him and Pickens on that back shoulder throw, I mean, it, they got to be hitting it at like 90%. It's, it's the, the only thing, thing they can do, right? It's the one thing in that offense that when they go to it, you're like, all right, we're good. We, we can take that. So I think they ran it like 13 times against the Ravens. Like, I believe that's, it. that's, and they, they laid off a little bit Deontay Johnson's back, and the offense did look, again, not good but it looked a whole lot better this week um but yeah i think it, at this point you just take the wins as silly as they are and uh 
you just hope they get the coordinator hired because they're just we're just waiting for this contract to expire. And uh, you know, if you get the new coordinator in and he looks like league average, like he's just a decent guy, like a you know a Todd Munkin, like just comes in. It's nothing super revolutionary, but it is a coordinator you can win football games with as long as you have, you know, a decent team, which the Ravens have a great quarterback, so they're going to win a ton of games. But I think if if you see this new coordinator come in and he's the right hire and then Pickett still is reverting to these terrible habits and is just inaccurate time to time, then you can – then you can shift that blame because <laughs> right now, right. man, I know Pickett and Tomlin are just loving that Matt Canada is taking all the heat for pretty much all their flaws as a team. Right. They need yeah. that guy to, to come in and just what I think of now is just I think t- Todd Munkin coming in for the Ravens was kind of like something where you you brought somebody in and say, hey, look at this pic- this painting that we put up on the wall. Like, what is like? There's something wrong with it. You you brought in an artist and said there's some someone messed up this painting in some way. What what, what happens here? What, what how do we fix it? And they just look at it for two seconds and they go, oh, I mean, it's upside down. Look <laughs> around. It's like, kind of like that's you know. like kind of what happened in Jacksonville when they got rid of uh, Urban Meyer. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Someone just said, oh, this is just oh, it's like here, just put the thing here, and this is like this is just where this is supposed to go. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, yeah. are you guys are you guys stupid? Like <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to try to score touchdowns. Did you guys not know that? Yeah. I wanted to like, how uh, do you change a tire? Like, did you try like taking the old one off? Like, you know. I wanted to ask Steven while we had him about the uh the wonderful Buffalo Bills because their offense one week looks like the greatest of the decade. And then all of a sudden a week later, it's like they can barely get a first down. Is this is can we put this on Josh Allen or is it kind of outside of him? I think we can put it on Josh Allen, but not in a way that I think should like I don't want to sound overly critical of him. I think he's just a a, a weird quarterback. Like it obviously works. I think he's the second best quarterback in the league behind uh Patrick Mahomes, although I think Lamar is creeping up on him. But it's kind of like the Russ thing when he was in Seattle and like there was always complaints about the offensive coordinator, like no matter how good their overall results were. Like the Seattle was like a top five offense every season. And still you heard complaints about the offensive coordinator because every once in a while you get these games where everything just looked disjointed. And I think you're getting that in Buffalo because Allen is a quarterback who, who doesn't like play by the, the typical rules. Like he's not going to drop back and throw it on time and, and do all like the nerdy stuff that like Peyton Manning used to do. But he doesn't need to because he's so good. But every once in a while, you're going to have games like we saw on Sunday where the regular parts of the offense aren't operating and the only parts that look good are when he's like improvising and getting outside of getting outside of structure. And that was the case with Russell Wilson. And like a bunch of people got, compl- uh, got uh, complaints about it. Like the offensive line was the problem. The offensive coordinator was the problem. And like 10 years later, we're still having the same discussion about Russell Wilson and the limits he puts on an offense. I think there, there's something similar going on with Josh Allen. I just don't think it's as big of a problem as it was for Russ. And I also think that, like, Josh Allen is is the best thing about that team, so who cares? What are you going to do, get rid of Josh Allen? <laughs> no. Nah. 
So I don't Listen, know. I, I, I just think Bill's fans need to like chill out a little bit. It's going to be fine. I wouldn't put it past an NFL GM to look at that and say, Josh Allen's the problem. <laughs> I just don't think Ken Dorsey is the coach that like inspires that, that type of move. No one's <laughs> doing that for Ken Dorsey. Right. Oh, yeah. Man. I think that's it. Okay. So before let's, uh, Let's finish up our NFL talk here. We've kind of uh, jumped around most of the most of the notable things of the last you know week or two, but Monday night, I think we can say uh, Stephen Ruiz vindicated, did nothing wrong. Uh, <laughs> you know he's uh, the number one enemy of San- in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, everyone, everyone has uh, drawn their swords and drawn their guns at at Stephen. In, in San Francisco and Santa Clara, but Brock Purdy, the man just didn't get it done. So, uh, I don't know. Take your victory lap, Steven, right? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just kind of expected it to happen. I wasn't like surprised. I didn't want to like take a huge victory lap on Twitter just because one, he still plays for the 49ers and like all these guys are going to come back eventually. Debo Samuel, Trent Williams, and he's just going to go back to doing what he's been doing. But at the same time, like, this is what I expected it to look like. Like, this is what he's been doing all season. He misses throws sometimes. He throws it into dangerous spots. Before, the defenders weren't catching it. Now they are. So, yeah. Like, the only – I guess I kind of took an L because now my comp of Bajan to Purdy looks like I'm hating on Bajan even more. Now (laughs) Martinsburg probably hates me even more after one (laughs) I can't wait. That was going to be – that's going to be my – that was going to be my follow-up. If we just swapped places, Tyson Bajan – Brock Purdy, how different does it look? I don't, you know. It looks different, but not significantly different, right? Like, I don't think I don't know if we're going to be talking about Beijing like an MVP candidate, but everyone would be like, "Oh, this is like a really cool story, and it's amazing that this is working." And Kyle Shanahan's a genius. For some reason, we're not doing that with Purdy. For some reason, we're going the other way and be going, wait, this guy, he's probably the answer for them. He's the Super Bowl. He's the missing piece of the Super Bowl. He's the MVP candidate. But I I don't think it would look that different. That's why I tweeted it out before Beijing even made a start. Like, he's doing the same things. It's And it's funny because I don't know if we've – I don't think we told the story on the show or, or if there were some extra people tuning into this one that normally wouldn't, is that – Tyson Bajan and Brock Purdy have experience uh, with the same quarterback coach. And it's a, it's a, a friend of, so when, when we had Tyson on the show, I, I brought up to him uh, his, his old uh, history teacher and uh, probably like sociology teacher as well, or psychology at, at Martinsburg a guy named Derek Gallagher Uh is a family friend of Tyson's. He, he works out with him all the time. Tyson talks a lot about, you know, the CrossFit stuff and na- the natural, whatever. The, I don't know. It go- goes back around to the, my, my take that good quarterbacks in the NFL have to be kind of psychopaths or <laughs> insane yeah. in some way. And I mean this in the most complimentary way. Tyson Bajan's like insane. Like he's he's kind of crazy. It's like you kind of have to have that mindset of football, football, football all right. the time. And he's got it, and it's always work. It's work, 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 and he finds like the weird ways to put in the work. But going back around, you know, going back around to it is that Derek Gallagher's you know also friends with this quarterback coach who coached Brock Purdy, and apparently uh, Tyson's dad, Travis, the the uh, the arm wrestler, the beast. Um, <laughs> 
he would argue uh, him and uh, Derek Gallagher would always argue with his coach about, uh, you know, Tyson's better than him. Tyson's <laughs> better than Purdy. And all this, and even it even got to the point where when when Brock Purdy started uh, starting games for the 49ers and doing what he's doing, Tyson's dad even went, nah, Purdy's better, <laughs> which is wild because uh, Travis Bajant has never, almost never said anything other than, yeah, my, my son's the best quarterback to ever live. <laughs> I mean, I came close to saying what his dad said about him. I stopped short. And I censored out. I censored out Brock Purdy's name, so San Francisco wouldn't find me. But <laughs> I was I was close, and I'm not related to him. If I was his dad, I probably would have been like I would I would have said, yeah, he's better than him. He's better than Patrick yeah, Mahomes too. It is funny how all this is intertwined. That quarterbacks coach uh, was his name's Joel Gordon. He yes. coached at Shepherd for a time. I forget what his position was at Shepherd, um, but it is funny that they have that connection, and now this connection is being made. It's all I don't know. There's something something funky in the air here. I don't speaking, know when 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 of, Darnold starts on Sunday because Purdy's in concussion protocol. Things don't go well. Fields comes back. Maybe Tyson gets traded to the 49ers. Ooh, I like start, what finishes the season. Mm, now Super we're Bowl talking. MVP. I don't know. No, Maybe something's going on here. Yeah, it's all in the range of outcomes. And speaking of <laughs> uh, Purdy's quarterback coach, I got interviewed. This is how weird the the Brock Purdy thing has gotten. The San Francisco Chronicle reached out to me to interview me about like doubting Purdy, which is the weirdest thing to care. <laughs> Why would anyone in San Francisco care that I think Brock Purdy's like not a top 20 quarterback? Whatever. Didn't they ask Purdy about the rankings? Yeah, Peter King did. And he hasn't won a game <laughs> since. So I don't know. <laughs> Connect the dots. Uh, You're in his head. You're in his head, Steven. I'm in his head. But the Chronicle, yeah, he did. I'm not going to say what I was about to say, but whatever. Uh, the Chronicle <laughs> guy, while interviewing me, told me that he had interviewed Brock Purdy's quarter, quarterback coach. I, I, I guess it was for like a past story. It might have been months ago. And he told me that the quarterback coach didn't even consider Brock Purdy like a fifth round talent when he was working with him. So like, Whoa, wow. it's not just me that, that has questions about Brock well, Purdy. Literally, neither. literally the people that he pays to train him were like, yeah, this guy's not that good. That's crazy. They're coming out of the woodwork now, man. It's all uh it's starting to crumble down. Two yeah. losses and it's over. Maybe the maybe the arguments were getting to his head, like he was hearing Tyson's dad's argument. And it was like, you know what? He's got a point. He is better than Purdy. <laughs> Purdy just in his own head, like, is this D2 guy better than me? <laughs> He's like, No, there's no way. Like the ringer guy Brock- said he says he is. So is that the problem? Does Brock Purdy have imposter syndrome? Is that what this is? I think that's what we figured out. I think that was the point of this podcast. That's the con- conclusion. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad we got somewhere with that. Yeah, we figured it out. Okay. Let's. All right. Uh, what time is it here? It's six oh seven. So the Knicks uh, haven't quite started yet, Ryan. So your your attention's not quite divided yet. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the uh, the NBA. It's not. This not the only ball that we can talk. You know, not just football. There's other ball happening. You know, baseball, which is like, eh, you know, Orioles are out. I don't, you know, don't really care anymore, but good story for those <laughs> Diamondbacks and Rangers. That's fun. Um, but basketball as well. Two games on last night, Nuggets, Lakers, uh, Suns, Warriors, the the better teams seemingly won there, the two best teams in the West. 
Nuggets and Suns. That's kind of how we think that's going to go. Um, first of all, let's get this out of the way. Steven, the Wizards. Uh, <laughs> thumbs up. Thumbs up. Like, I, 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 I live in D.C., and I attend Wizards games whenever I can, but their tickets are their ticket prices are insane for how bad the team is. So, honestly, the worse they are, the cheaper it is for me to go to Wizards games. And yes. I'm not I'm not going to Wizards games to watch like good basketball. I'm going to go oh, there to enjoy myself. Exactly. I have a couple better thing for for Ryan and I as Knicks as a Knicks fan and a Thunder fan is that we can just, you know, wait for our team to come on by and be like, "Oh, the the Thunder and Wizards are playing on Monday in DC. We're only about a, you know, I think Ryan's probably like an hour away. I'm about an hour hour and a half, you know, a little more. And just go down and watch our team play for like eh, eighteen bucks, you know? Pretty yeah, that's good. that's all I need. I just if it's under like thirty bucks, I I could care less what the team is doing in the standings. But I, like, it's hard to get excited about a team led by Jordan Poole. Uh, <laughs> I, I play a lot of pickup basketball, and like the worst archetype to me is like the ball hog that isn't as good as he thinks. Like, oh, that's absolutely. the worst person to play with. And uh, I despise that person. I consider myself the opposite of that person. Like I pass the ball a lot and Jordan, like, so Jordan Poole is just a guy that I have no interest in rooting for. And it's hard to find guys to get excited about on the roster. Like I like Denny. I think he's got a little bit of dog in him. I think he's a good defender, but like offensively there's a clear ceiling there. Cody Kispert, one of the worst draft picks that I've seen, and that's saying a lot with Washington and their draft history. Like, I, I don't understand that pick still. Uh, I don't know. But at the same time, again, I, I don't really care because ticket prices are down. <laughs> totally it's good. Fair. Like, when LeBron comes to town, the tickets will go up. But it's like, otherwise, it's like, hey, you want to go? I don't go to those games. I go exactly. and watch the Hawks play. I go and watch say, the Hornets. I want to watch the, uh, the Wizards and Raptors on a uh... – on a Thursday night or something, and it's like, all right, I'll pay like, you know, 20, 25 bucks. I get enough drinks in me. I think I'm watching Celtic Sixers <laughs> out there. Exactly. Might as well be game seven. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like a five point game in the fourth quarter. You're just like, you're enjoying yourself. You're, you know, right, having exactly. many drinks deep at that point. And it's like, hell yeah, this might as well be game seven of the finals. Exactly. Yeah. I, I will tell you, they like, as a Knicks fan, they're a little bit aware of, of what we do. And they, they bump those prices up a little bit for the Knicks. Even if the Knicks aren't good, they, they, they bump them up a little bit. They know, they know people like me are trying to get down to the game, knowing it, you know, obviously between travel and everything, uh, it's a lot cheaper in DC, but I don't know. They're, they're kind of getting me here. So I need to keep an eye on it because especially with the Knicks now being like, a decent team right. <laughs> with like actual players. Like uh, it's, it's, it's getting a little tougher, obviously still much, much cheaper. MSG is by far the most expensive place to uh, see a basketball game, but I don't know, man, they got a, the wizards need to calm it down. I need a 10 game losing streak to start the season. It will happen. Don't worry about it. <laughs> In time. Jordan pulls their best player. The- yeah. I don't know. I, I Kyle Kuzma know, is the second best player. I know some Wizards fans who are like, I'm not going to say they're high on the Wizards, but they're feeling okay compared to recent years. I think they got the Bradley Beal thing off their back and like yeah. they're feeling their young team a little bit. So I, 
they're feeling okay, but we'll see. Again, it's the Wizards. They they find a way. That's the thing. Look, I'm I have no worries about the team after Bradley Beal. Like I was not a huge Beal fan. I think he was like a losing player. He put up numbers, but in big playoff games, he always came up small to me. I don't know. I was always a John Wall was better guy. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty much the consensus of our uh, our DC correspondent, our PG County correspondent, Nick Ar- Nick Arguelles, Wizard <laughs> fan extraordinaire. Uh, he knows ball. He yeah. He does know. He's a big time ball knower. Uh, it's funny. He was one of the people to reply to you say he absolutely doesn't know ball when it came to the Tyson uh, Tyson stuff. But uh, <laughs> he was just following our lead. But <laughs> Anyway, he's uh, he's always been a uh, anti Beal guy, or at least in, in recent <laughs> years as well. But yeah, the, the Knicks, uh, Ryan, I think they're it's pretty much the same team as last year. So I mean, good team, you know. Yeah, they're going to be a good team, and I maybe that's why I'm not quite as excited as last year because last year, you know, getting Brunson, um, I knew if if that worked out, it was going to be really fun. Uh, and something about basketball snuck up on me, and. It's just it feels weird, you know. Yeah, I'm just I'm not ready watch, for it yet, you know. I'm not ready either, and I'm looking forward to watching the game. Like, I'll have league pass going. Like, I I do the whole thing, but like, I don't know. It's not hitting like it did last year, or even the year before. So, we'll see. We'll give it a few weeks. Maybe I'll get into it then. Um, but it's it's not a bad position to be in. Like, if I can care less about a sport for a little bit, I'll take it. So it doesn't ruin my life, but. Um, again, still looking forward to it. Very thankful to have a competitive team. Uh, we'll see how much of a lift Dante DiVincenzo can give this team off the bench. <laughs> um, Obi Toppin is gone, which, you know, he's makes some fun highlights, but that's a little traction just cause he didn't fit. They didn't know how to use him. Uh, so they got his brother. They got Jacob Toppin now. Um, he will probably never play, but still. The team is, I'd say, slightly improved, but even then, it's like, I don't know if that's enough to move you up in the playoff standings at all at the end of the year. So, again, we'll see. Health's a factor. I, I don't know what the Sixers are going to really look like when it's all said and done. That's going to be key for where the Knicks end up, I think. So, again, nothing, no crazy expectations, no no championship aspirations here, but uh, Until it, they, it'll be nice. Know, the rumors start up for them trading for Joel Embiid, you know, right? Yeah. Yeah, oh, it's 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 already started, and I'm already a little bit tired of it. But <laughs> um, we'll we'll see. Maybe maybe halftime tonight, I'll be pulling my hair out that I don't have on my head. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you when it comes to like the the whole. I, if I can care about less uh, a sport a little less and just take have it take up less space in my mind for a little bit, that'd be nice. Especially this year, uh, baseball is back in my brain. And there's an emotional attachment to the Orioles again, which why the fuck did I do that? I don't know. But <laughs> maybe that's what it was. Maybe as I, I got into baseball more this season than I had for, I mean, probably since 2016 or 2017, uh, that that kind of hurt my basketball brain a little bit. That might be that might be a factor there. See, but... I've I've more so chosen to take the route of uh, kicking kicking the emotional investment in, in WVU out of my mind uh, instead mm. because uh, Neil Brown's made that pretty easy. Uh, Bob Huggins made that real easy, <laughs> and uh, you know maybe we'll we'll see when basketball season rolls when college basketball season rolls around huh? if uh, 
how that's going. But no, I I guess I have to make room for the thunder now in, in my in my head in my headspace. My head. How's Chad looking? You know, I haven't I gotten to see a lot of the preseason, but it looks so far so good. He kind of got owned a couple times by Wemby, but that's to be expected because it's Wemby, and that's just how it goes. Um, but. I, I'm feeling pretty good. Shay, Shay Gilgis Alexander, man. My God. What a guy. He's, he's really come on uh, first team all NBA, you know? And I, th- I think Chet is going to be a, a, I think he's going to fit well because they didn't really have that, that center to, to throw in the mix. And, you know, he might not be a traditional center anyway. They might have to use a lot of like Jalen Williams, uh, both of the Jalen Williamses uh, that they have, uh, J Dub and J Will, I still don't know which one's which. I know the <laughs> one with the big, the one, the the center Jalen Williams, and the the wing Jalen Williams. The wing is the really good one. The the center, the big is the uh, pretty good one. So that's the one I like. He went to Arkansas, right? He has like the yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that guy because he he passes. I'm a sucker for passers. That's yeah. That's a weak spot. So th- Thunder playoff team, play-in team, what are we thinking? I think they can get th- – I mean, they, they won a play-in game last year. Uh, Shea stays healthy. Chet stays healthy, which, uh, I you know, there's always a concern with guys that are that big that they, they might not. But, you know, Lou Dort still doing his thing. They, they've got a pretty solid – they have one of those teams where it, it's it's time to cash in. It's kind of it's time to cash in the assets. It, it's time. This can be a fun little team where you know they they make a little run through in the playoffs or in the play in. They can. I wouldn't be surprised if they were a pretty high seed this year. You know, they got themselves one of those top six out of the play in tournament. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were still like eight, nine, ten seed. Also, it just kind of depends on how far ahead of schedule they are. But we've reached the point now. Where it's like Shea is here. He's a star. Chet is is healthy. He should be a guy who can contribute a lot to defense immediately. Offense, we'll see how long it comes, how fast it comes across. Jalen Williams can maybe put up about twenty points a game. Dort gives you great defense. Giddy passes the ball really well. If he can learn how to shoot, then he can be really useful it's time to catch something. They need to wait. They need like the next guy to like come available and request a trade. And someone in that, not Jalen Brown, but like maybe Jalen Brown, that like that mold, like just someone like that of that caliber of that skill set to just come in, plop them down on the team and maybe they can, they can cook, you know, maybe, maybe they'll go after James Harden and just try to fit him. Where they can. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I think I'm good on that. But <laughs> I can I can offer you a lightly used Jordan Poole. Oh, God! I'm I'm thinking like Zach Levine might be that guy that comes available. Not gonna oh. lie. I, okay. I think I think that the Bull. The, and that, funny enough, that's who the Thunder play tonight in their opener. That is the Bulls in Chicago. This it feels like the last year of the Bulls running this experiment with this team of them and of him and DeRozan and. uh Vucevic and something's got to give and they just they don't seem like they're that good but they just decided to run it they, it was maybe one of the worst teams that just decide let's run it back like, <laughs> you know I don't, so they I don't love, know they love they're they're in love with that eight or nine seed 
yeah, they didn't even get it last year. So yeah, so yeah, they uh, they just want to be middle of the pack. They just want to exist. I, I feel like to, be good I, enough to keep the ticket prices up. <laughs> that's right. I feel like they could be like the kings of this year. They have that potential. Oh yeah, yeah, they could do it for sure. Uh, I like Dagnall as a co- as a coach. Uh, they they could put it all together. You know, they're they got something there. They might need just one more guy that can that can score. I, I think because unless will unless Jay Jay will I don't know <laughs> wing Jalen Williams if he can uh, if he can take another step up because he was already you know second in rookie of the year behind Paolo Bencaro. Uh, if he takes a step to being like a 20 point per game scorer, maybe, maybe they are just there, you know, Chet's doing stuff. He can hit threes. He can play defense, see what else he can do. I don't know. It'll be fun to watch at the very least. So that's, that's good for me. And they still have all those picks to, to throw at something. Maybe get some extra guys here in the next couple of years through the draft. But eventually we gotta, we gotta cash him in. We can't be like Danny Ainge and just hoard all those picks until they turn into nothing. Being like, no, no, no. We got <laughs> Tatum and Brown. We go. We don't need anything else. It's like okay, but like do something else. And I mean, it worked out fine because both of those guys are great for the Celtics. But they they could have done some other stuff <laughs> other than uh, you know trade Marcus Smart for Kristaps Porzingis. But <laughs> hey, he was the Wizards' best player last year. He was. No, Porzingis was good, and he should be pretty good for them. Just the weird, weird rosters shake up for the Celtics. I think they're still going to be really good. I mean, we talked about that on the episode with the uh, uh, we did after the Damian Lillard trade, but I, I and with the True Holiday trade as well. So there, I think there's the four teams at the top. Really, it's the Suns and the Nuggets in the West, and it's the the Celtics and Bucks in the East. So I think if the NBA champion this year is not one of those four teams. It'd be kind of a surprise. I mean, maybe, maybe the Warriors or Lakers just kind of like turn it up and LeBron stays healthy all year and, you know, something like that. But it's probably that group of four. I'm thinking uh, Knicks Lakers final winner gets <laughs> LeBron's last year or two. <laughs> God, you know how much ESPN, you know how much ESPN would love a Knicks Lakers finals. <laughs> the ratings would go crazy through the roof. That's why, like TV or like, was it Fox? Or whoever has the rights to the to the World Series probably pissed. Oh <laughs> man, that it's Rangers Diamondbacks and Philly is such a good TV market. They must have been so mad. Had to be. Oh man, I I will say, it's just preseason that I've seen, but but Wemby. Looks even better than I thought he would. Yes, on an NBA 100%. court. Oh, he's going to be quite honest. So I don't know where that team's going to end up because he seems like a player, even in the NBA. Because I know we think of college, it's like if you have one great player, you can get like multiple rounds through the tournament in college just because of the nature of the sport. But like, he's he might do something like that in the NBA. And maybe I feel stupid in a few weeks when they still like <laughs> have three wins, but. Here's the thing: know, it's, it's he, he his offense. Different. His offense may not come along right away, but would you be shocked if this year he finishes top three in defensive player of the year? No, no. Exactly. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's just, that's that kind of impact right away can but, can change you things. Know, defense creates offense. So exactly. Yeah. 
And yeah, honestly, that's like maybe that's the, the identity. The the reason why I say like he's been better than I thought is because like the shot making that I've seen. I haven't watched any of the games. I'm just relying on like Twitter highlights. But like the <laughs> shot making, he's made like a couple of like fadeaway mid range shots that were contested that I didn't think would be in his game from year one. But if it is. I'm not ruling out them making the playoffs this year. Like even two years ago, I think they were they made the play-in game and lost to the Pelicans. So I don't even think it's that yeah. big of a leap. And he's a generational player. And we, I think like Tim Duncan brought them to like a finals in his first year that he was there. Yeah, I mean that it, they they still had David Robinson, but yeah, it was his first year, or if not first and second, because they they. They picked Duncan number one, and I think '98, and I, yeah, I think it was the '99 Finals that they that they won. So it, he could have a huge effect. I mean, the team around him might still be too raw. Like they have some talent, like Jeremy Sochan and and uh, Ken, you know, Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell. It, it might not quite be enough. It, maybe if they still had Dejounte Murray, which I, right, I, mean, yeah. I don't really, I don't really know. What? Why you traded him? Other than to say, you know, hey, we got Wembenyama, so you know it was worth it. So, which, I mean, hey, it, it works for me. You have me convinced. But so that it, they might be still, you know, like eleven, twelve seed because the West is tough, and there's going to be, you know, we don't, I don't even know if Luca and Kyrie are going to make the playoffs this year because they didn't last year. <laughs> It's it's just a tough it's tough sledding over there, but yeah, Wemby is going to be really good really quick, and I, I think that it probably is going to take a lot of people by storm. Like he probably I wouldn't be sh- shocked at all if he's an all star just immediately this year. Mm-hmm. I can because East also West, he's going to be uh, putting up the numbers. Like there's no one else. There's not really going to be a lot of other guys to put up the numbers. On on the on the Spurs, other than maybe Keldon Johnson. Yeah, I agree, and that's I'm glad he's in the West. <laughs> Don't have to only have to deal with him a couple times a year, uh, but man, he uh, and again, it's preseason. Like half these highlights are probably against uh, somebody's bench, but still, he's just doing he's doing stuff that looks like weird video game or alien. AI generated yeah. yeah alien stuff it's just crazy the, like his reach and like the stance he'll get in to play defense it's like you know you gotta like get in a nice low stance like move your feet the man like his feet are seven feet apart because he's so tall it's unbelievable he, he looks like a like a 2k my part player but like not even like the console version like a pc modded uh like cheating version <laughs> Like they had to break the code of the game to be able to make it. It's insane. Yeah. All right. Loop of, looping back around to uh, the ticket prices. So I, I mentioned that the 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 Thunder Wizards game on uh, January eighth. The the get in price is eighteen dollars for for the Knicks Wizards game two days before then, January sixth. It's uh, thirty four dollars for that one. The Wizards host the San Antonio Spurs on January twentieth. That's a Saturday, seven p.m. You want you guys want to take a crack at the uh, the get in price for for seeing Wembenyama in person, in DC? Uh, I feel like it could go either way. Like it's either going to be really expensive or really cheap because people don't know about them. I'll say forty bucks. 
I'm going to say, uh, I'll say $47. On Ticketmaster, the lowest price uh, ticket available is $75. No. That's Ooh. ridiculous. Those are LeBron prices. I guess people do know about them. Jeez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, these people know ball a little bit too well for my liking. Yeah, We've got like to it. get that number back down. Right. So we got to. I gotta see what's the what's the Lakers one, man? Like he had one he had one Twitter highlight posted and <laughs> the tickets went through the roof. Jesus man. April Wednesday, April third is the uh the only game uh, LeBron will be playing in DC, assuming he's not hurt by then or resting uh, on a uh, load management. One hundred and thirty five dollars is your oh get in price. God. Or there is one t- there are single tickets available for hundred and nineteen. So I'm not paying a hundred bucks to watch Anthony Davis shoot seven of twenty. I'm just not going to do it. I wouldn't either. Optimistic of you to assume that he would still be healthy and playing by that. By that. Yeah, right, great point. What'd you say? Be, you said... It might just be Austin Reeves. And it's like what you know how sometimes you'll get the the ESPN games where they they put the game on prime time, thinking that it's going to be this great matchup. It's like you know you know, Lakers, Bucks, or whatever, and it ends up being like, oh, LeBron and Anthony Davis are out. Giannis and Chris Middleton and Drew, you know, Giannis and Chris Middleton are out. So the ESPN graphic has to show, like, Austin Reeves and and, uh, Pat Connaughton. Oh, man. (laughs) That's good stuff. Yeah, when is that game again? You said April, so, I mean, Anthony Davis. April, yeah. That's well. That's, like that's got to be like one of the last regular season games for sure. Well past his expiration date. So, <laughs> I kind of want to buy a ticket now and, and like upsell it to some someone who doesn't know any better. <laughs> yeah, you know, Scam- might be the move. Hey, Lakers, LeBron's coming to town. Yeah, you go ahead and pay for it, and I think if you get to that point and everybody's hurt, you know, you just eat it, you go to the game, hang out, right. and if you get to that point and they're all healthy. Oh yeah, just you know, you can make a easy buck on that ticket for sure. I could I could go see the Wemby game and, and come out with a profit too. Still, oh there we go. Mm, yeah, there you go. We're in business. <laughs> I think we're doing a Ponzi scheme. That's what we're talking about. We're like, uh, <laughs> no, we're just we're you know, just uh, DJ Envy. Is that the guy's name? It's called <laughs> multi-level <laughs> marketing, Stephen. It's much different. Okay. Multi-level marketing, but it's just NBA tickets. <laughs> it's 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 more of it's not it's not a pond it's like pyramid shaped like but that's you know it's it's completely different. No, I think we just invented StubHub. Is what, is what we did. That's true. Yeah, that's, that's all we did. Yeah, tickets are a scam. Yeah, a lot of places now you go to their box office and they'll just tell you how to get on whatever app they are sponsored by. It's actually really sad. What happened yeah. to this country? We used to we used to make things here. We used to be something. Yeah. Get rid of the ticket scanners. Start ripping that stub off. <laughs> oh, bring me back. <laughs> Ugh. God, the old days. All right. Anyway, that's uh that's like our that's our NBA season preview, I guess. Um <laughs> We Real did. in depth. Yeah, we talked about like three teams, and uh, yeah, we we're talked good. about That's... the wizard. We talked about the pr- ticket prices of every Wizards game. That's the. Uh... <laughs> Not the That's numbers. all you need to know about this season. It's regional yeah. coverage. It's true. 
It is. There is. Yes, I do work for a uh, a Wizards uh, affiliate broadcaster. So you know. Anyway, Stephen Stephen Ruiz of the Ringer, quarterback man, everyone's favorite, everyone's least favorite, the best, right. the worst. Uh, thanks thanks for joining us. Uh, give yourself a, a plug here for anyone that for some reason be listening to this and know us but not you that'd be kind of weird but maybe no oh, that's probably you know probably, no, more than probably makes sense know. nobody knows who i am uh no i'm not gonna plug myself because i don't want anyone coming to my twitter account and giving me <laughs> but don't uh, look me up don't read my work don't listen to any of the oh. podcast uh yeah don't talk to me <laughs> <laughs> uh go rams <laughs>